Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and today we are talking about two heist movies, Ocean's Eleven and Widows. But first, let's catch up. I will start. So the thing that I am will first talk about is the Netflix show Lupin. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I did not know Which that's is about a heist, pronounced. basically. Yeah. Uh sort of. It's about it starts with a heist, but it's actually like about like a revenge plot. But okay. basically it's this old uh property. Um Lupin is like this character from like uh like a French novel or series mm-hmm. from a long time ago. <laughs> and uh like it's um, been like remade in a lot of different ways it was actually one of the um offshoots it was like an anime and one of the movies was how Miyazaki's first movie um oh, wow. so I was familiar with it because of that like I had seen his movie uh of it before and basically it was just like it's like a jewel thief I think is mm-hmm. the basic premise of it um but this net uh new netflix remake um is a like i think it's going to be a two-part series Mm -hmm. the first part is currently out it's five episodes and it like i said it starts with like a jewel heist but it is about the main character's father um was like framed for stealing the jewels 25 years in the past you think uh, it could be he actually stole them we don't mm-hmm. really know basically the main character has has drawn a lot of inspiration from the property of lupon and uh is mm-hmm. like basing his characters off of that and trying to redeem his father's legacy because mm-hmm. um his father ended up like hanging himself or was killed Ooh. in prison when he was in prison for the oh. crime mm-hmm but it's just yeah it's a fun i mean it's a pretty fun like heisty type movie or show (laughs) and um the main character is has that similar like you know like playful heist character where you're like it's like a very i think the character of lupin is known to be like that but it's also like similar to like danny ocean or any of those characters where you're just Mm -hmm. like it's he's like a trickster or something charming criminal yeah like a charming Mm -hmm. trickster yeah um and the the main character is played by omar sai and who's giving like like i said like a really like charming uh performance where it just feels like he's like winking at you the whole time Mm -hmm. which is nice love it um and it's french (laughs) i don't know if i said that but it's all in french so um, the second thing I'm into is uh, the Made You Look documentary on Netflix, which is about art fraud that went on for like 20 plus years at the like oldest art gallery, I guess, in America, who was uh, like, and it is just interesting to watch because it's like, it's a similar vibes to a heist mm-hmm. movie where it's like, it's kind of like a victimless crime where <laughs> like, I don't I do not care that these like million billionaires were like duped into buying fake art. Uh so essentially it the like premise of the crime is that and this is like a true story that happened. Mm-hmm. Um a the only victim actually I think is the person who 
like was behind the crime because she was uh kind of like this abused like girlfriend of the man who was it seemed like really behind the crime and she mm-hmm. was the one who went to jail for it but every, no one else got like in any trouble like the, the basic and like all of these frauds were uh like authenticated by professionals um and the owner of the gallery is army hammer's dad actually and it's just like i don't like like I do not feel bad for any of these people that bought fake art. I don't feel bad for any of the people oh, yeah. that sold the fake art and got in trouble for it. Yeah. Except for like the one lady who was like probably abused by her boyfriend and is now in jail mm-hmm. for it. Um mm-hmm. and all of the fakes were made by this like Chinese math professor who then he like fled the country and is now in back in China. Um thankfully i would be very upset if he also went to jail so i'm glad he's safe in china (laughs) um i totally feel that and it's like same thing with like uh, like oceans the ocean movies Mm. i'm like i do not care that they are robbing this casino like (laughs) i know we'll get to that oh my gosh yeah some people did yeah Yeah, right yeah um Mm -hmm. and same thing with widows like i want them to rob this bad man yeah like like mm-hmm. please do it <laughs> yeah um and then the third thing i'm into is another documentary called uh naughty books and it's about the romance book industry Ooh. um it's on hulu i think and it follows like a few different uh, like big authors in the um genre and it's just it's just interesting to see these like normal women writing these like mm-hmm. books and it's like the it is like they talk about and i think you're the one who told me first that like romance books are the high like the biggest uh like industry or like the high yeah like, and mm-hmm. uh but that because it's like women for, for women by yeah. women like it's not given as much like credit i guess and it is insane they're like churning out books like 10 books a year or something crazy like yeah it, because the demand is so high that they their readers just like are like ravenous for more books um and it it does like they even like that's a lot so they like explore they how that takes a toll on them um and uh, it's interesting to see also that like almost all of them are like like sort of abused like mm. like um one uh, one author uh had to leave her husband because mm-hmm. he was like so against her writing these books and the other one another one like at the end it was sad because she was like it did like an epilogue thing and it was like she's still with this man oh. um and it, he he was sort of like preventing her from writing new books it seemed like um but then it also interviewed like another woman who um whose husband was like well i guess the best well adjusted out of all the husbands but he was like i went through periods of depression where like she was writing she was making way more she was like the primary breadwinner and it was like which is like so terrible um and then another one where she was like i don't love this genre i'm just writing in it for money but really i like to write more like ya books and i think some like uh romance fans were disappointed by that but 
I don't know. It was just really, it was pretty interesting. I just also like, I like movies mm-hmm. about writers. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, so um, it was nice. It was just nice to watch. I just like to watch people write, which is crazy, but <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Um, that sounds but what interesting, are you though. I'd love to watch that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what I am into this week, um, I'll start with this HBO Max show that just came out. I feel like it has joined a legion of shows of like similar quality. I feel like with TV right now, we're at this point where there used to be like a lot of big prestige TV dramas. And now it feels like there are many little shows made for mm-hmm. streaming that people like watch in one week and then kind of forget about until the next season appears, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. It's just like a new mid tier level of TV. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, but it's called made for love. It's based on a book that I'd like to read by Alyssa Nutting. Um, it stars Kristen Minelotti. She was in, she's in from Black Mirror, from a bunch of other things. Um, and Billy Magnuson, who I think people would also recognize as um, this, Billy plays this reclusive tech bajillionaire uh, named Byron Gogol. Gogol is his company. It's kind of like a combination of Google, Amazon, and <laughs> Apple. Um, he meets his wife Hazel on a college campus where she's pulling um you know kind of like a little con on some other camp uh college students he's impressed by her they have like a very quick whirlwind romance and he sweeps her away and they get married on the same night after meeting each other and then the series begins they've lived in this hub that he has created for 10 years and she has not left the hub um and her life is you know, highly regulated. She has to rate her orgasms after they have sex uh, so he can improve and learn from the data. She has to, you know, um, choose her clothes from, like, approved palette. Um, It's basically all about how, like, she has become, like, a prisoner inside um, this tech fortress and Mm -hmm. their relationship is kind of a sham. Um, But, of course, you then wonder, like, what kind of person would run away into this sort of relationship and you learn more about her her background and her family life before meeting um Byron and uh this happens in the first episode but she escapes the hub and after he does something particularly heinous to her uh so it's a show about like an abusive relationship um and uh with sci-fi elements um, I really liked both performances at the center of it. Um, also, Ray Romano appears as Hazel's father, who is in love with a sex doll. And <laughs> I will say, like, one thing the show does that's kind of annoying is too heavily compare the sex doll to Hazel, like how she was basically oh. a sex doll, you oh know, but they like hit you over the head with that. Where like yeah. Hazel will literally turn to the sex doll and be like, I am you, you know? Oh God. Um, an unfortunate thing about me is that I find Billy Magnuson very charming and very cute. So <laughs> I was like, Oh, he's not so bad. Like, <laughs> come yeah. on. I, I also I, love that trope sometimes of, uh, a bad man who only loves you. <laughs> well, I think that it's interesting to talk about because like a lot of the um, naughty books, people mm-hmm. write their stories about yeah. like there are a lot of like rape fantasies yeah. or like a girl getting kidnapped and like sold or something. Mm-hmm. It's like really dark stuff sometimes. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's interesting to see like that it's those fantasies are coming from women in like abusive relationships pretty much. That's um, true. I just think it's like, 
Yeah, it's an interesting thing about desire too, you know, like kind of, or even like the stories that you want to engage with versus like what you actually want, you know, like I think, and I think that's something that Made for Love does well too, Mm -hmm. is that it shows that Hazel, I think, knows at certain points that she is not living a fulfilling life, that she is kind of like a prisoner, um, that she has no self-control or autonomy. But at the same time, Byron offers her wealth and um, security and, you know, like privilege. Um, And she comes from like a very poor background and her mom died and her her dad's an alcoholic. So you can see why it's so attractive to have Mm -hmm. someone who's just like, I'm going to take care of everything. Right. and I just think he's so cute. <laughs> he's very charming. And like he pulls off the character really well. Like one weird quirky thing about him is that he hates smells. So that's something in the hub. Hazel is like, I really miss smells. Wow. Um, yeah. And <laughs> he at one point, like he's trying to make the hub more attractive for Hazel after she leaves. So he's smelling different samples that he can incorporate. <laughs> and at one point he's like, I really like this one. And his assistant's like, that's just glass. And he's like, mm, glass. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. What? Um, anyway, really enjoyed the show. It's a quick binge. I think there will mm. be a season two. Cool. The next thing I'm into is this short novel by Hiroko uh, Oyamada called The Hole. And it's, uh, it's translated. It was originally published in Japanese. And it's this eerie short read um on the back the blurb compares it to david lynch Hayao Miyazaki, and alice in wonderland so mm-hmm. i was like "Ooh, okay <laughs> uh intrigued by that um it's about this young woman whose husband's job brings her to the they move to the countryside after living in a city next to his her in-laws um next in a house next to her mother-in-law and father-in-law and her husband has a job but she quits work so she suddenly goes from having things to do every day, kind of like just being a housewife and she's kind of bored and, you know, her husband doesn't come home till they very late at night. There's almost like no information really about the relationship. Be- and I think that's intentional because um, it's kind of like not important to her life, even though she is shaping her life around him. Um, she starts to go on long walks around the countryside and discovers this large black animal who is digging holes and she falls into one of the holes. And while in the hole, she meets a man who claims to be her brother-in-law, even though she has never heard of her husband having a brother. Uh, And he lives in the woods outside of her in-law's house and talks to children who he teaches them about nature. It was a deeply weird read, very eerie and doesn't answer a lot of the very strange um, creeping questions that it brings up, but I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was very like thought provoking um, Mm. and interesting uh, to read about kind of like domesticity and fantasy, a good read. And it was a hundred pages. So I felt like, Oh, I read a book. Yes. (laughs) I want to read it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then the third thing uh, to continue our theme of heists is this documentary on Netflix called this is a robbery. Um, combining some of my favorite things, which is like true crime and art world stuff. Um, it's about the the theft at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in 1990, the largest art heist of all time. Um, 13 works were stolen, totaling over $500 million. Um, it's nice to engage with like true crime that isn't about murder, you know? That's yeah. uh, not necessarily, it doesn't feel as exploitative sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um 
but the documentary gets in both to the art world and kind of Boston area organized crime. Um, and it's just really, it's just an interesting doc. Um, the crime itself is super interesting. Uh, they think probably what happened was some Boston area con artists realized that they could use works of art as leverage to get shorter sentencing because this one criminal did it once he stole a work from the MFA in Boston. Um, and then why he was in prison was like, I will give you this work back if you commute my sentence and it worked and he got out. So other people in the area were kind of like, Oh, okay. Like this is a thing you can do. Yeah. Um, no, they still don't know where the works are. Uh, one of them is a Vermeer and Vermeer only made like 30 works. So it's like crazy. Um, how, and the other interesting thing too, is it's, it's difficult to tell if how much the thieves knew about art because, they took some very, very expensive priceless works of art, like the Vimir, and then they literally grabbed like other worthless shit, you know? Um, and they also like the works were hanging in these beautiful frames and they took time to like cut them out of the frames. Even mm-hmm. one that was like a five by five, instead of just taking the frame with it, they mm-hmm. like took the time to cut it out of the frame. Um, and it's sad to think it's both like sad to think of these priceless works of art, you know, probably languishing. They're probably destroyed by now because they needed yeah. to be kept in like, a frame and a climate controlled area. But at the same time, I'm like, I love stories about sm- like, you know, like I love, I'm like, I don't, you know, yeah, it's kind of cool that these <laughs> thieves did this and never got caught, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. It's a good documentary. I, I really enjoyed it. And I also like to know that a lot of museums are dysfunctional in the same way it appears. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so kind of, uh, some synergy here between our picks and mm-hmm. the two movies we're about to talk about. Yeah, um, for sure. Let's dive in. So our first film is Widows from 2018. After Harry Rawlings dies in a violent burglary attempt, his wife Veronica is left alone to come to terms with her grief and her understanding of her criminal husband. But an inspiring, not inspiring, an aspiring politician and his crime boss brother, Jamal and Jatem Manning, interrupt Veronica's grief to demand that she return the millions that Harry stole from them. Veronica decides to work with the wives of Harry's associates, who died alongside him, to retrieve the Manning's money. So this was your second time watching and my first time watching Widows, right? Yes. So when this first came out, I think that I did I did like it a lot but I was I felt sort of like disappointed mm-hmm. in it and I think that is solely because of my my expectations yeah. were so skewed um like I knew I think part of it was that I had really high expectations because mm. it the critics everyone was like freaking out about it rightly so um it's mm. so good but also I think my expectations were then so high for a different type of movie. And Mm. (laughs) I'm blaming the oceans trilogy for that. Like I just have this idea of heist movies that is like firmly rooted in this like fun, playful, uh, fantasy. Yes. Um, like the, from the, like I love the oceans trilogy. So that's what I was expecting. And I was like, so excited. I was like, Oh, it's going to be women having fun. But that is not what this movie is about. And yeah. I think that 
So the first time I watched it, I was like disappointed. But going back to it now with like proper expectations and knowing what I was getting into, mm. I was really able to enjoy it for what it is. And it's just like a really like excellent, mm-hmm. like perfect movie almost. Like it's just yeah. like so good. It's really, really good. I was surprised by that too. I kind of remember what you're talking about. Like there was this sense that it came out and didn't perform, like underperformed. Mm. I think at the box office and I think marketing was to blame mm. Stephen McQueen, the director, Stephen McQueen talks about this a bit in some interviews. Um, exactly. I think people, they just didn't know how to market this movie cause it's not a caper, you know? Uh, mm. And it's not like the girls are getting revenge, you right. know, like yeah. shoot them up. It's a, it's like a sad movie. Um, yeah. And it's a sad movie about like women that I think would bum people out if they were going into it. Yeah. Thinking it was like oceans 11 for (laughs) women. Um, But it's written by Jillian Flynn who wrote gone girl. And I think her and Steve McQueen are like excellent collaborators here. Uh, Mm -hmm. His direction works so well with her script, which I was co-wrote it too. Oh, they co-wrote it. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was really impressed by that. And I remember being excited about this movie for that for that reason mm-hmm. but um when i started watching it yesterday i was like oh my gosh this casting is perfect it is a good mm-hmm. case to make for there should be a casting category at the oscars because mm-hmm. this is yeah. a movie where um everyone is well cast uh there's a lot of emerging actors in it who would go mm-hmm. on to kind of like have their bigger breaks like elizabeth mm-hmm. debecky um, and Brian Tyree Henry, um, but also there's some like veteran actors in it who I think what good casting is like you have an association with the actor that helps mm. inform the performance, like Robert Duval and Colin Farrell. I think mm-hmm. are are play that kind of yeah. part where you're like, okay, like Colin Farrell, I'm already thinking he's seedy, you right. know, and like n- not trustworthy. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. Liam Neeson's character also Liam Neeson is too. like so good because i mean he's mostly the mm. good guy you know that you're like yeah. rooting for and i guess we'll spoil this movie but he is not good <laughs> not good <laughs> he's a bad man not a good so husband. you feel like betrayed you know yeah at the same time as uh viola's character veronica does mm-hmm. exactly and i think it's a great part for viola davis uh and steve mcqueen talks about this too in an interview with vulture who you know like her career she has had an amazing career but i think she does get cast a lot as like this kind of noble regal Mm. woman who is has you know hardships in her life and i think this is a great role for her because it allows her to be um you know, this sexy, sad, mm. strong, you know, kind of have like a more contradictory character to play. Right. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, which is exciting. So she's mm-hmm. the lead. Um, and then rounding out the other widows are Michelle Rodriguez as Linda. This is, I feel like the first movie I've seen her in. I know you love the Fast and Furious franchise, so you're more familiar with her, but I was so impressed with her. Yeah, she's really good. She should be in more dramas. Yeah, I agree for sure. I mean, I guess when you get that fast paycheck, yeah. you're like, why you're, bother? I don't why know. Why do I need to sh- even appear in other movies? Probably. Yeah. Uh, but she's great in this. It's a great dramatic mm-hmm. role for her. She's uh, has a great scene. I love that every single one of the widows, they're char- like none of the characters are really um, underdeveloped. Every uh, single one of the widows kind of had their own arc or standout moment in the script to kind of complicate their character. Um, like Linda, um, Michelle Rodriguez's character 
has this moment uh, where she's trying to like gain information from this architect mm-hmm. and she, the architect is like, Oh, you're looking for my wife. She died four months ago. And Linda's like, my husband just died two weeks ago. And at first I'm almost like, I was almost like, is she just trying to play into his sympathy? Mm-hmm. Like it's an unclear moment. And then you realize like, no, she is actually just like having a breakdown in mm-hmm. the presence of this man. Right. Um, so loved her. Elizabeth DeBecky is introduced as kind of being this like victim of abuse, both by her husband and her mother who appears kind of like briefly in some scenes. Um, this part almost went to Jennifer Lawrence and I'm so happy it didn't go mm-hmm. to Jennifer Lawrence. Who I can, I can just imagine perfectly how Jennifer Lawrence would have played this part. Right. But, um, I feel like Elizabeth Debicki is to me much more interesting to watch. She's mm-hmm. super tall. She's mm-hmm. like over six foot tall. Yeah. She's six, six feet three. tall. She's six, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's incredibly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like depending on the part, she really uses her height either to seem like super vulnerable or super imposing. Mm-hmm. And she appears in this with Lucas Haas as her sugar daddy. And she's so much taller than him. <laughs> uh, I also but, think I'm glad that Jennifer Lawrence wasn't cast because I think that like you were saying, we like, know her from so many mm. other things that we like project these yeah. like feelings and this yeah. history onto her but for elizabeth debecky i feel like this is sort of her first mm-hmm. big thing that i've seen her in you know like yeah um but so sort of we were able to really imagine her as this character i think and she did such a good job i think she had the most like dramatic mm-hmm. uh character arc um so it was really fun to see her like uh go through that i guess and it, yeah. i even with like um michelle rodriguez as linda mm-hmm. i think it just everything makes like perfect sense about their characters they feel like real people like i think mm. like in the beginning you you sort of expect Mich- linda michelle's character to be mm like the one who's better at the heist i guess because yeah. I th- and you kind of see alice Debecky's character as like sort of like ditzy and that she won't mm. really be able to like, like pull through. Do- yeah. yeah but it's sort of the opposite and i think for linda a lot of it i think in the beginning you think that she's more capable because like she's like sort of this mom who sort of mm. i think you when you, I think for me at least, when I see a mom, I'm like, oh, like she knows what she's doing. Like she, it's that yeah. same feeling mm-hmm. when you're like a kid and you're like, yeah. oh, I like she will be able to like take care mm-hmm. of the situation or whatever. Yeah, it's nice that they turn those expectations, yeah, on it, their head because that's kind of what the movie is about too. Like being able to, you know, like they're all like uh, undervalued in some way. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that's a good point, too, about, like, kind of the expectations we bring to each of the women. Um, I was really happy that this movie didn't just kind of, like, pat itself on the back for bringing a diverse cast of women together. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think, like, this movie kind of complicates the representation in a way that I really enjoyed and appreciated. Um, You know, I think like intersectionality is not just like ticking off a box and being like, there's right. one Latina lady, there's one white lady, there's a, like two <laughs> black ladies. Cause this, uh, the, each woman, their identity is complicated by like other factors other mm-hmm. than their race. And mm-hmm. that like kind of allows them to be a more fully formed character. Yeah. Like the other women are very aware that Veronica has 
wealth that they right. do not have. And they mentioned that a lot. They're like, mm-hmm. our lives are different than yours. You mm-hmm. know, like we don't have these things. If it's even if it's just like, you know, like living in poverty or having kids, you right. know, yeah, um, which I really appreciated. I thought like what other blockbuster or, you know, big tentpole movie like does that well, you know? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And what about the Met? I think the same thing can sort of be said to Daniel Kaluuya's mm-hmm. character in that we have this, we know him from like, get mm-hmm. out. And he's like this sympathetic guy where you like, he could mm-hmm. be like your friend, you know, like, yeah. uh, but in this, he's so menacing. He's like, so scary because he just like so is gleefully scary. torturing and murdering people. Uh, it's very, like, like I said, menacing. So mm-hmm. I think it just like, it, this movie just does play with your expectations and I think it's just like a testament to how well the how it's like written but also like mm. the performances are just so good that they're able to like subvert those expectations so definitely well. yeah and I think also um I guess I, I I think some critics were like this movie probably a bit off more than it could chew but I mm. think it also handles um, kind of like Chicago politics mm-hmm. and uh, like race relations in a really interesting way as well mm-hmm. by kind of, um, you know, like the the background to the heist is these two competing politicians, um, the Mulligans, which is like one family that have kind of had control in this ward of Chicago for decades. Mm-hmm. And then the Mannings, who because of like redistricting, suddenly have a competitive edge because like more black people are in the district now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like you see uh, Colin Farrell's character trying to like appeal to like black women in the ward Mm -hmm. to like win their votes, Um, you know, and it, it it kind of like uh, Brian Tyree's Brian Tyree Henry's character, you know, you're like, he probably would be perhaps better for the community, but they're both like steeped in, um, criminal enterprises just because of like the ecosystem that has been built around politics in the area, yeah. you know, and just and politics like, in politics <laughs> like in general, all politics. You know? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, uh, you know, he, he has a, a great dialogue with his brother where he's like, you know, the alderman makes like a hundred thousand a year and his brother's like, you could make that in a week. And he's like, yeah, but then like you give out the permits, you know, you kind of control the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's 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 an interesting parallel to like the women kind of um, like I hate to say like taking power back because that sounds so corny you know <laughs> but like trying to like renegotiate their their power I think mm-hmm. um, is an interesting um, parallel I do think honestly I would like to see I would have liked to see less of the men kind of you know <laughs> yeah uh, I think I, I think, totally yeah. agree that there is too much of specifically. Mm-hmm. Colin Farrell yes yes and yes. his dad like yeah because they're just like we get it yeah like we don't need to see oh yeah like them being so terrible over and over I think it could have been cut down mm-hmm. for sure yeah yeah I know we needed like maybe one scene of their right relationship and I would have been like I think we get it yeah uh, Robert Robert Duval also is like a Republican and I'm pretty sure they probably just like filmed him <laughs> being himself when he says some like pretty terrible racist stuff i was like robert duvall probably believes this uh he's probably like rolling up on set just like i'm playing myself yeah Uh, maybe who knows um but i think this movie also for a heist movie um is like less interested in the 
not only like the dynamics of the heist, but uh, like the thrill of the heist, you know, mm-hmm. um, like it wasn't, I like knew that they were going to rob uh, Colin Farrell, but I like the details of the plan aren't like super important, mm-hmm. but I don't think maybe they're never important, you know, like, and we'll get to it in oceans, but I'm like, I don't, I just barely understand what they're doing. Yeah. No, you know? same. Like, yeah. I think it's fun. I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. They give enough details to make it fun like with yeah. the code do they have to mm-hmm. like blackmail the ceo of the security oh, yeah, yeah, company yeah. Mm-hmm. and they get the code and then the code uh they enter wrong the first time and have to flip over the sticky note to like mm-hmm. enter it in right i think it's just oh gosh i like little details like that i think add to it being a little bit fun like which mm-hmm. is like what you kind of expect from a heist movie yeah like i said but um yeah it doesn't actually have to make any sense uh <laughs> definitely definitely i totally feel that um let's talk about the ending um mm. which i thought kind of like made the movie for me yeah uh, so good a really good ending um it after the heist is kind of successful but you know veronica has killed her husband she has mm-hmm. made herself a widow mm-hmm. um she is uh, wants to use part of her like um share to build a a library in her dead son's honor and she's at a diner and she sees Alice who appears and she has like a nice coat mm-hmm. and she looks put together and she's meeting a friend and they've had, they had like previously agreed to like never keep in touch or talk again. Um, and you think that perhaps like they're just going to ignore each other. But then at the end of the film, Veronica like walks out into the street and is like, Alice, it's so nice to see you. And that's yeah. how the movie ends. Yeah. I think that's so good because it, mm-hmm. like you can tell, throughout that interaction where they're like oh we shouldn't talk to each other Mm-mm. that alice really wants to and that yeah. she did feel like connected to veronica mm-hmm. throughout this like heist uh mm-hmm. and uh at the end when veronica's approaches alice it is sort of up to veronica to like break down that barrier because she throughout the movie had been this sort of like kind of mm. mean to Alice yeah. at times and also she was like the one calling the shots and setting the boundaries mm. so it was her rule to not ever talk to anyone so mm. if she is the one breaking her own rule like like she's the one who had to approach Alice and yeah. I think that it showed it did show in that like one moment the amount of like growth that that character also mm-hmm. went through like I think it is similar a similar arc almost to what Alice went through Mm -hmm. but yeah Alice's was much more like dramatic and paced throughout the whole movie but for Mm -hmm. Veronica it was almost like this flood at the Mm -hmm. very end where she was Mm -hmm. like finally allowing herself to like step into happiness I guess yeah definitely so nice (laughs) yeah it's a great parallel and it also like I think this movie wisely does not try to be like girl power like Mm. ladies doing it for themselves we're all best friends now Mm -hmm. you know but then at the end it feels so much more earned to see veronica smile for that reason Mm -hmm. at alice um and now i'm thinking okay we had the traumatic origin story maybe the sequel can be the fun heist (laughs) the gang gets back together they're like we're really good at this and we work well together (laughs) yeah because i especially think that's true for alice and veronica like they really did it well (laughs) yeah yeah, I, I just really enjoyed this movie. I think, like, we'll talk about this more with Oceans, but, like, the pleasure of watching a cast that you really enjoy mm-hmm. together is just um, cinema 
you know? Yeah. Uh, do you want to jump into one star reviews? Sure. I feel like there's so much more I could say about this movie, yeah. which is just like, but you know, we're, we don't have forever, but yeah. just, just know that when you watch this movie, you'll want to talk about it a lot. Yeah. It's an <laughs> underrated movie. Yes, for sure. Yeah. There's so, and there's like so much to say, like yeah. it just, you can, and I don't think it was trying to do too much. I think. It balanced it really it well. It balanced it really well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I could start. <laughs> this is the okay. first one star review. There was no closure or relevance to virtually any of them. And at the end of the movie, I was just left with a bunch of questions about what had to do with any material part of the movie. It seems like literally nothing had to do with anything else. It was slow, disjointed, and without purpose. I'm stunned that a movie this bad can even get made and released. The best part of this movie was that it ended. I don't understand reviews like this. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm like maybe the movie just wasn't for you, but right. like you certainly cannot say that there was no relevance or yeah. closure. I yeah, just, it, I it does. Especially like we just talked about the ending, and this yeah. person is like the ending was bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're just so weird. Yeah, maybe it just wasn't for them. I don't know. <laughs> this is a, a review that has a lot of questions. Who is the guy that gets money to build a library in the end? Why doesn't she build the library herself? <laughs> Why did they go through all this trouble to do the heist? And when they could just kill Manning and his guys, why did the other two women even agree to do the heist? Who is the blonde girl? And why does she agree to get involved? Who is the girl in the barbershop? What is her story? What's up with the guy in the bowling alley? I do feel as the, the movie answered all of these questions. Yeah. So. I, <laughs> I can see being confused about the library at the end, but otherwise I am, I'm not sure where this person is coming from. That's, oh, it's sad. You know, they just like (laughs) missed it. Yeah. (laughs) I think this last review, this person did not see the same movie as us. It says from sex to deception to thievery to sadism to incest to gratuitous sex to political shenanigans or what I what have I left out? What was the incest? I was going to say what? What was the incest? What was the gratuitous sex? Like. Yeah. Another thought I had about this movie too is there's a lot like discourse on Twitter constantly about sex scenes not being necessary in movies, Mm -hmm. which is so like weird. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people have kind of maybe thinking that sex scenes are gratuitous or like objectify women doesn't always mean that a sex scene is not like necessary. I think this movie has several sex scenes that are necessary and show you something about the characters, particularly Veronica's relationship with Harry and Uh, Alice and the sugar daddy, those sex scenes like are telling a story about their relationship. And they're not even that. It's just like the making out. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's very, very And the incest. There is. What What? what is that about? (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) I just don't know what that could be about. (laughs) Different movie. Uh, Mackenzie, what would you rate widows? um, Probably like an eight. I think, or it, yeah, it's really good. I like yeah. it a lot. I like it a lot too. I'm going to read it a nine. I think mm-hmm. it's my favorite movie of Steve McQueen's I've seen. Uh, yeah, I like Shame sure. and 12 Years a Slave, but this was like really good. Yeah. And I just love a movie about like women being complicated and not being like girl bosses. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anti girl boss. Even though I would say <laughs> Ocean's Eleven is about like boy bosses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but let's jump into it. <laughs> okay. The, okay, so this is the next movie we're talking about, Ocean's Eleven from 2001. Mm-hmm. 
Danny Ocean is out of prison and ready to rob. His target, Terry Benedict, an uber-rich casino owner who happens to be dating Danny's ex-wife. Danny assembles a crack team of thieves to pull off a masterful heist, including a gymnast, a pickpocket, a pair of mechanics, a bomb maker, an IT expert, and of course, Danny's partner in crime and platonic love, Rusty Ryan. What a name. (laughs) Danny Ocean and Rusty Ryan. I wonder if those were the names in the original movie from like whenever the Frank Sinatra era. Didn't do that much research. Yeah, same. (laughs) I don't know. Because this is the definitive Ocean's Eleven. Oh, for sure. Let's be real. Let's be real. So um, good. Directed by Steven Soderbergh, who, uh, a king and a champion of men being nice. Yeah. Because he also did the Magic Mike movies and Logan mm. Lucky. He has a, a forte and he knows it. Yeah. And we just read this tweet that he was like a super nice guy to like work for. So we respect that a lot. We'll share it. We love a respectful king. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and a nice boss, and so yeah, like. someone who understands like a position of power. Yeah, Love definitely, that. and I think it comes through his movies too. You know, I hate to like say that an auteur is <laughs> comparable to the movies they produce, but um, this movie is about good vibes. Yeah, and having fun with your friends. So I can see it being a fun place to work at too. Right, and Danny Ocean is a good boss. He is a good boss, yeah. <laughs> except he doesn't tell the team about Tess. Yeah. Yeah, that is bad. Mm-hmm. So this is like just an iconic movie. It's 2001, <laughs> but it could it's timeless, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, too. I think we read um, an article I found really interesting by Fran Hoffner. Hold up, they don't love you like I love you. Excellent title for a yes. piece about Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> um, and it's kind of about the writer watching rewatching the oceans 11 movie after developing a bond with them as a kid like we did mm-hmm. uh and kind of like worrying that they don't hold up and you know she writes that you know kind of the old meaning of a film like not holding up would be perhaps in reference to like technology aging poorly mm-hmm. or special effects and now it's this feeling that you watch an older movie and you're just like braced for something sexist or gross mm-hmm. yeah. or like maybe you know something about one of the stars um and she comes it's just a great it's a great article and it's a great read and i enjoyed thinking about um oceans 11s in this way she writes uh midway through oceans 11 i thought to myself is this just a magic mike movie and then is magic mike just another oceans movie both franchises capture men at their least threatening and most affable a borderline insane fantasy but one i'm desperate to latch on to yeah that's, that's true. it yeah yeah wait it is we just want nice men to be loving each other it's like well we'll say it we've said it before we'll say it again Mm -hmm. it's it is a fantasy and we want it it is a fantasy and you know it almost like yes there's lots of gripes you could make there's one gripe really that you can make with this movie and it's that like julia roberts character is underwritten not really important and like just a plot device but i don't mind i'm not hurt by it it's like i wouldn't want gender uh, like developed gender politics from this movie or right. you know it's just not necessary i don't know yeah I don't and know. i do think with the like with as the little that she is given she makes mm-hmm. it like work really she well does i feel it, like a good job. like yeah. there is that line where uh that you love i love that where Every, everyone loves yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where ocean is like does he make you laugh in reference to terry benedict mm-hmm. uh and she says he doesn't make me cry which oh oof. 
I mean, yeah, like she does a lot of heavy lifting with what she's given right. in this, and she brings a lot to the character. She's a curator, <laughs> and it's like, is she a curator of a museum in Las Vegas? Of a gallery, I think, in okay. the casino. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and she's kind of given more to do in the subsequent movie, uh, but it's it's nice they give her a little more to do, but it's not super necessary. Right. Uh I think she, I don't love Julia Roberts, but she mm. she's good in this. Yeah. My same. my parents think that she can't walk in a pair of heels. They also love this movie and they think that she stomps in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can yeah. see that. Valid. Uh George Clooney, this is he's only 2 years into his movie career. That's crazy. It feels star. like he's been like a movie a person forever like it's hard yeah. to like maybe that's because i haven't seen what is it west wing or what what is he in oh er 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 <laughs> i don't know mm-hmm. i haven't seen any of those big like or like 90s i feel like yeah uh, prestige television or whatever mm. but yeah mm-hmm. i it just feels like he has been like the male movie star for like my entire life which is exactly. kind of true <laughs> yeah exactly and he I think a lot of people say about George Clooney is that he always plays himself, but I think that that is being a movie star, you know, like you go Mm -hmm. to the, you develop a relationship with this movie star's image and you go to the movie to see that. And so he and Brad Pitt are both playing characters that they will repeat throughout their career and have repeated. It's like Robert Downey Jr. too. It's like the same. Exactly. Exactly. And like, yeah, you want him to be like debonair and charming, and right. that's George Clooney. That's why you hire him. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he's not—he's not, he's not going to disappear into it. He's not like Walking Phoenix, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> or whomever Daniel Day Lewis. Right. Um, and this is an interesting point for a lot of the stars' careers in this movie. It's George Clooney, it's Brad Pitt, and kind of like his first like family-friendly movie. Um, mm-hmm. And then he would go on to do, I think, a lot of blockbusters after this, mm-hmm. um, and his, you know personal life would kind of make him a bigger star too mm. uh matt damon i feel like this has got to be an early movie for matt damon as yeah. well when did goodwill hunting come out i don't know in the in the 90s? 90s yeah but he has like i feel like third third or fourth billing in this yeah he's sort of uh portrayed as like the heir to the heist uh, yes like he will be he's like in training to be the next danny ocean sort of yeah He's I love his introduction. Oh my gosh, this movie—the best part of it is probably like getting introduced to yes. the heist team. Oh, it's so nice. I love it so much. And he's the last one that comes in. It's mm. sort of like a build-up to him. I feel like because yeah. they're like, we need one more person. Why? Who knows? There's a great tweet <laughs> that went viral a couple months ago that was like, I don't think that man needed all those people. He just wanted to hang out with his friends. Yeah, I agree. I think especially the the mechanic brothers. Yeah, oh. It's like they're... What's there? At, uh, the, I think, <clears throat> the gambler guy, Bernie Mac. Mm-hmm. Not super important. Yeah, not really needed. Um, maybe not earning their share of the millions, but it's about team. Yeah, work. it's about the vibe. It they wouldn't be able <laughs> exactly. to do it without their the support of their friends. And I think that mm-hmm. comes through. I just watched all three actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think that really comes through in the um, also mm-hmm. the old men. What do they do? Yeah, but oh, in yeah. the third oh. one, <laughs> the third one. Um, one of the old men it has like a heart attack, and it's sort of like the like uh, 
plot behind the whole yeah. uh, movie is that he uh, they're like getting revenge for their friend. Um, but he is like brought back to health by letters written by the Don Cheadle character. And that's like sort of what is going on with all of these movies is that they just need like the good vibes of support to yes. make it through the highest, I think. Exactly. It's about a positive workplace <laughs> yeah. being good for everyone to accomplish their goals. <laughs> Mackenzie, who is your favorite non-central heist member? I think Linus. Are we not, are we count, or is he count as central? I'll take him. I'll take him. Because I just like but, how like dorky and like uh, just like fumbling he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Carl Reiner who kind of plays this, he's like this older man they mm. look up to and he uh, acts as this Russian kind of mysterious figure uh, <laughs> in the casino as his part in the heist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, I think he's the last one at the fountain uh, yeah. during the closing scene too. It's so mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. I do like the Mechanic Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, they were entertained me when I was a child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're still funny even now because especially mm. when you get to see all the other characters get frustrated with their mm. antics. antics. Yeah. Um, I do think Shen, um, the gymnast, is mm-hmm. underserved a little. Yeah. That I think has not aged super well. Mm-hmm. Um, he speaks Chinese and he doesn't get subtitled. It's like kind of the equivalent of like Chewbacca in Star Wars movies where they're right. just like you like, you don't need to understand Chewbacca what he's saying right because the other characters react but I'm like no I would like to know what he's saying yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I <laughs> totally know? agree because I, th- I think he is an interesting character too but it's sort of like mm-hmm. you can't you're not given the opportunity to like fully understand it yeah definitely I think like you learn more about him almost in his montage introduction in the second movie uh, yeah you're right you're totally right yeah <laughs> Sometimes you have to watch all of them to get the full arc. Yeah. Um, what in the third movie? I know Julia Roberts doesn't reappear. Do they explain that, or are they just like they're like they say they do say because they also ask about Catherine Zeta Jones' uh, character because she is Rusty's uh, like girlfriend or wife uh, by the yeah. third movie, and they say they're on a lady. They mission. ask they Matt Damon's character asks what where are Tess and. I forget the other one's name. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, yeah. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Where are they? And Danny says, it's not their fight. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm very, glad that they like, explained the it. The third one is like a very personal revenge endeavor, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I guess you can say that they all are kind of. Since the first one, he does want to get sort of, he goes after Terry Benedict because he's sleeping with Tess. But mm-hmm. in the third one, it's they go after this casino owner because he screwed over. He he Gould. caught yeah he screwed over one of their team teammates and uh, mm-hmm. made him he had a heart attack basically because of it. Yeah, it's shameful. <laughs> not not the bro code. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like this movie. Like we were saying earlier, too, it's not super important. You understand the logistics. You know that they're happening. Like, they don't right. explain what's going to happen to you. You have, like, kind of catch up right. as it happens, um, which Thankfully. is part of the magic and yeah. the fun. You yeah. Know? It's like a magic trick. Yeah, it is very, it's it's very, like, quick. Uh, and 
the, I feel like the camera work is also very specific to like a, the heist genre. At least now I, I uh, like associate it with that. Cause it's very, it reminds me of like, um, like stuff from like Guy Ritchie's movies too, where mm-hmm. it's like, uh, like very like sweeping or mm-hmm. like quick cuts between people are like fast zooms mm-hmm. where you're like, you're able to see like a lot of what's happening Mm. at the same time in the same frame and you like sort of it's like an eye spy you like know what to look for and you're like exactly exactly (laughs) Uh, which is like it's very fun it's like you feel like the movie is like a almost like a puzzle mm, that you're like in mm -hmm. on kind of it's Mm -hmm. nice in Vox, the writer Alyssa Wilkinson writes about like the appeal of all of the Oceans movies, including Oceans 8 and the older one um, mm-hmm. that is not canon. <laughs> um, just kidding. But uh, she kind of writes, you know, it's like a precursor to the uh, superhero team-up movies that are yeah. now like ev- everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just like seeing a group of people you want to watch together. Um, yeah. That makes it so enjoyable i would you know if they made an oceans 14 i would be there yeah same i would <laughs> yeah which should. is why it's so sad that oceans 8 didn't it was not great like it yeah. had it could have been so much mm-hmm. just why it's so disappointing that it just like i think the problem was that it just didn't have any stakes really mm-hmm. no totally totally I agreed i have not seen it but it kind of the idea of it kind of like makes me sad you know yeah. i i think like widows is a good you know, oh, this is going to sound like kind of gender essentialist and a little weird, but I'm like, yeah, if a woman did a heist movie, if a woman had to do a heist, like it would be more serious, <laughs> probably, yeah. you know, and less frivolous yeah. uh, and the stakes would be heavier, which they are in Widows, you know, it's right. hard to compare the two, but um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the bros are here. They know that this is just about winning back Tess and they're on board. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it is very, you feel very, like, safe with all of them because, mm-hmm. you, like you said, it's not very serious. They're like, oh, we'll have to go to jail again. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, if you don't care, then I don't care. Like, we're just, you know, having a good time. Mm-hmm. Well. I also love, like, everyone having a job and doing it, like, well, too. Yeah. Like, a specific thing they do well. Mm-hmm. They're just a fun movie. It's just when stars were stars, you know, like mm-hmm. who it's Brad Pitt as Rusty eats throughout the entire film. And we watched a YouTube video about it. And the YouTube video posited two theories. One, which was that Brad Pitt was trying to get back to his trainer. Don't know how I feel about that one. But another theory was that it's an acting method where if you're focused on eating, you can kind of like more naturalistically respond to other things. Hmm. But he eats throughout the film. Yeah. I think it's also just like they all wanted to give everyone like a quirk. A character thing. Yeah. yeah definitely. And it's, it's, it's also, I think, makes you feel more, mm, like it might chill. have helped Brad Pitt like feel more like in the scene, but it also helps yeah. you feel as a viewer more definitely. like in it. You're like hanging out with him. Mm. <laughs> Ooh, like one last thing I want to talk about is the scene where Danny like catches up to Rusty who is teaching poker to uh, a group of celebrities yeah. which is like funny they're playing themselves like Topher Grace and <laughs> Dawson uh, from Dawson's Creek maybe no no uh, Pacey. Pacey Pacey from Dawson's Pacey. Creek whose name I know but I can't remember and uh, um, the girl one of the girls from Charmed oh you're right you're so right yeah, yeah. 
it's it's a funny scene seventh um, heaven the brother the older brother from seventh heaven oh yeah i think it's 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 because apparently they were like a real poker ring too <laughs> that's so funny um, and yeah. so dorky <laughs> it's so dorky tover grace is great in it yeah but rusty i mean like rusty goes out to take a break from them and he comes back and danny is in the room mm-hmm. and it's it's like you it's platonic love it's like the excitement of like two lovers seeing each other yeah. you know but they're just two friends yeah oh it's a really good scene yeah oh I, I i love that i love when like um movies take friendship really seriously yes oh absolutely that's a good way of putting it too mm-hmm. do you want to jump into i mean these one-star reviews are insane because this is not a one-star movie Right. Th- you think that the appeal of this movie would be as broad as possible. Yes. And I think that the people that uh, like these movies are also the people that are like corporations or do- that don't like these movies are the same people that are like corporations are people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because like I look at this and I'm like, it is, like I said, a victimless crime. Like I do not give a shit that this casino is getting robbed. Exactly. Uh, but these people are like, it's robbery. It's, yeah it's this bad. is a hard-working businessman yeah it's like <laughs> um but the first one star review is no chemistry that character development is so bad that you end up rooting for the casino <laughs> they try to portray the casino owner who's supposed to be steve Wynn, as some kind of jerk i found him to be a sympathetic character actors looked bored Clooney, damon and roberts looked bored to tears to me it was obvious that they were there to pick up a paycheck it's just like an alien with this. <laughs> <laughs> you found the you found Andy Benedict sympathetic. Like, T- Terry, what? Terry, yeah. Oh, you're right. His name is Terry. Gar- yeah, Terry I'm Benedict. Using his yeah, Terry Benedict. But like, what? <laughs> I know. And they don't. They don't look bored. They look like comfortable. They're having fun. Yeah. Like they look at home. Like yeah, they're because they- they're doing what they love. With the people they love. Rusty's eating that he thinks he's bored. Okay, this is the second review. Clooney was the worst. As the arrogant thief who sets out to prove it's okay to steal $160 million as long as it's because some respectable businessman (laughs) who works for his money dates your ex-wife while you're in jail. That's pretty much the theme to this film. Yes, it is okay. Yeah. (laughs) We condone it. (laughs) He's redistributing the wealth to to other people. It's right. not just for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's going to do really noble things with their cut as well. Um, Which we discover is not necessarily true. But who cares? <laughs> who you know? cares? Yeah. Uh, oh, this one is the great Soderbergh sellout or how to make Charlie's angels with guys. Confused about why that's bad. <laughs> You're right. Like, people make, uh, like they made this with girls. Like, yeah whatever <laughs> we're on the other end of that like all the time yeah so <laughs> deal with it yep um the last one on star review is yeah keep beating the guy for an hour and have him out only with untied tied no swollen face no blood aren't you fed up with lies already this movie is enough of popular fiction i just i mean who cares yeah these people don't get the vibe yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're not invited to the fun hangout well i it's hard to rate this movie because it's it's an iconic film yeah and i think it is a film that most people love yeah and you could like go back to it any at any time and have like a fun time yeah and even though the the sequels aren't that good they're still they got some of that same high that we're all yeah and i feel like a lot of people are like 
the second one is worse than the third but i think the second one still gets like really close to the the vibe as this one and then the third one is furthest away from the vibe because Mm -hmm. it's more about hijinks and less about a singular heist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those are my thoughts they they like create an earthquake right yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right (sighs) whatever um i'm gonna rate it I'm going to rate it an eight, but like an eight with love. (laughs) I'm going to rate it an eight too. Um, I love this movie. Yeah. It's just, it's really good too. It's really well made. Being movie stars. Yeah. Yeah, It's well made. It's fun. Steven Soderbergh knows what like he does really well. Um, Yeah. Too. We should do magic Mike. Okay. I didn't love Magic Mike. Maybe I'll... Have you maybe... seen the second? No. Oh, okay. Well, I watched the second first, and okay. I was like, this is the best. It's okay, just, okay. It's just like Oceans. It's just men having fun together okay. and like supporting each other. And then I watched the first one, and I was like, this is like a crime drama. Like, okay. he's worried about being blackmailed. Yeah. This is not the same vibe. Okay. Very different films. Okay, 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 okay. I have to watch the second. Yeah, the second is just fun. No plot. Okay. They literally, it's a road trip movie where uh, they just hang out together. And oh my gosh, plot. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music. Our next episode will air on May 3rd, and we'll be discussing Amelie and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You can follow Chick Flicks on Instagram and Twitter at Chick Flicks Pod and email us at chickflickspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. And you can review us on Apple Podcasts with a five-star rating. <laughs> Only. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>